0: Did they do? How did they do it? You're listening to the How Did They Do It podcast with Kostas Panayuto. Welcome to the How Did They Do It podcast, where you can join me in conversations with the inspirational individuals who transform their lives to find their freedom. And today's guest is Mark Dix. Mark is known as the piano guy, and his mission in life, if you like it, is to, uh, to help people to, to get joy out of playing the piano. Uh, piano being obviously a very versatile instrument, but a lot of us have ideas, um, preconceived ideas about, you know, you can only, you have to put a lot of time into it, first of all. It's very expensive to, um, you know, to to buy a, a musical instrument and to learn to play it. Also ideas that um, you need to be really good at it, otherwise don't bother. And um, as you hear later in the interview, Marcus fighting all these preconceived ideas. Uh, his philosophy is about helping people to connect with the joy of playing, playing their favorite tracks and um, really using the instrument uh, to enhance the mental health. Mental health being another important part of the mission of um, Mark. And as you hear again, uh, he, he has his own personal experiences that he's sharing which have convinced him of uh, the importance of his purpose and his mission of uh, connecting music and mental health. Uh, Mark has his own musical um, project as well called Arth, uh, which is dear uh, to my heart as a uh, musician of um, metal and in particular at- atmospheric uh, metal music. Uh, he's going to be talking about that also. And um, one of the things I was particularly interested in and I asked uh, Mark about was about his use of uh, social media, which in my view, he's really, really good at connecting people in a... Um, number of different social media platforms and so I asked him you know, what his secret is and what his favorite uh, social media channel. I am always on the outlook for inspirational individuals who have transformed their lives to find their own freedom. So if you are uh, such a person, if you know of such a person, do not hesitate to get in touch with me. Email me at costasthecoach at gmail.com and likewise, follow my blog at uh, cosasthecoach.com for uh, related topics that inspire people just like you to find their freedom, accountability and purpose and to banish stress and overwhelm from their lives. Hi Mark and uh, welcome to the How Why Did They Do It podcast, rather. Hello, how are you?
1: I'm good, Cosas. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. You see, it's still a young podcast because I, even I don't get the name right yet, but we're getting there. So... um yeah, I mean, we have spoken uh, some time ago and we had a conversation. I know you quite well, obviously, but um, my listeners don't necessarily know you Know the wonderful things that you do. So can you tell us perhaps in a few sort of words uh, what you do, what your current emphasis is, the things that you love, what you're passionate about?
1: Thank you. Yeah, so I, I kind of have these different com- compartments of my life. So I'm, I guess, most known in one area of my life as that piano guy. That's my hashtag, uh, piano coaching um, for clients across the world remotely with online courses that they can um, watch and consume whenever they want. I specialize in helping adult beginners, people who've always wanted to play and thought that they would never be able to because someone once told them their fingers were too short or other such nonsense. Um, So yeah, they're uh, my kind of tribe. That's one thing that I do. Um, And then I run a, a choir company called Sing United. I've been running community choirs for more than 20 years. Again, really sort of passionate in helping amateurs and people who just have a passion for getting involved in music to uh, achieve their sort of musical dreams and be able to perform on stages and get involved with music in that way Um, and then I'm a a musician myself and create my own music I've got a a project or a band as you may wish to call it called Art and uh, that's a, a doom metal project which is the kind of music that's kind of very close to my heart so yeah three very different and very distinct areas of my life that's what I do.
0: Yeah, and that's what i find so fascinating and that's why i i, I wanted to have another chat with you because you, you're one of the persons i know who actually has a quite wide range of activities but all in all i do feel there is some clear purpose coming out of them music is always there so it's a big part of it piano more in particular so let's start with that and mental health is the other one so we can go into that later Um, but you know why piano there's like thousands of instruments out there you know you're clearly passionate about the piano what is it that makes it such a different instrument you
1: think um I mean so piano for me was obviously something that was there from the beginning I was I was five when I started playing it so I I don't really have a memory before piano you know piano is just is what I do um I wasn't forced into it at all there was a piano in the house both my parents had tried to play but hadn't really been very successful at it but the piano was still there and I seemed to be quite interested in it from a from when I could start to reach up to the keys as a young child that I could get a sound out of it, and they sort of decided to see you know let's see see if he responds to lessons with any pressure and see what happens and you know, I took to it really really quickly so I don't I don't remember choosing piano as such um but I guess in some ways I did um it was just something that was there but I I clearly had an affinity for very quickly. Um, I think as I've sort of got older, I did play on other instruments. I started playing viola when I was eight and got my my grades and my examinations in that as well. But I found with viola, I was having to really think about it. That was, I was having to concentrate, and uh, and with piano, I didn't really feel like I was having to try as hard. It just seemed much more natural to me. I, I felt like I understood it more. As viola was hard, I, I could do it, but I was it didn't feel natural. It, was, it felt like a bit of a struggle, even though I got reasonably good at it. Um, And I I always wanted to play guitar, I guess, from when I first sort of discovered rock music, like a lot of teenagers did. Um, And I taught myself on a battered old acoustic guitar, like I guess a lot of kids do. Um, And again, I I can functionally play guitar. I can play rhythm guitar. I was never going to be a lead guitarist. I'd never sort of got into the the sort of the shredding lead lines or anything like that. I was was never good enough to do that. But I can functionally play rhythm guitar well enough to do, you know, most things that I want to do um but again i'm having to concentrate it, it doesn't come naturally to me but i love guitar enough to sort of persevere with it but um piano piano was clearly and it will always clearly be the one which is is uh the one that was meant for me to, to do, spend the most time with for sure mm-hmm.
0: yeah and you um if, if i may sort of uh, summarize what you're doing you kind of you kind of help to uh, perhaps relieve stress and overwhelm with a busy profession but also other people retired people everyone has uh, wanted to play the piano, but somehow never got around to playing it. And you sort of take away the stress and you just, you give them a space to to learn to play their favorite tracks. So, um, I mean, how does that work in practice? And the first thing, I guess, that comes to mind to someone who is not a musician, isn't it even more stressful having to learn something instead of just sitting with a glass of wine on your sofa and watching EastEnders or something?
1: That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, the reason I I spent so much time and effort trying to unlock the first sort of steps for adult beginners is, I guess, I like I like the banter around it. I, li- I like the I like the the challenge of being faced by someone who's convinced it's never going to happen for them. And I like I get a kick out of the smile that goes on their face when they do their first steps. You know, I I could teach professionals if I wanted to. I have coached professionals. I've coached people who've gone on to become piano teachers themselves. Um, I could teach kids if I wanted to. I get asked to teach young children all the time. But the biggest fun for me is the frustrated adult who has consciously or not ruled out there ever being the possibility they'll be able to play the instrument because they are people who in some ways don't need to achieve a lot to get a huge amount of joy out of it. So this is not about making them a professional piano player. This is not even necessarily about making them a great piano player. This is about unlocking something which they thought wasn't possible, or they were told would never be possible when they were a child or, um, you know, things like, um, perhaps their parents couldn't afford a piano or couldn't afford piano lessons. And now they perceive it to be an expensive thing to do, not thinking about as an adult, a couple of hundred pound, they'll have a you know basic keyboard and away they go. So it's not that it costs no money, but it, it doesn't cost as much money as a lot of people seem to think that it does. And so, the reason that I compare it and connect it to, to mental health and stress reduction and so on, is that when you spend a lot of time really digging into why someone would want to have a hobby such as a musical hobby like that, it's not because they want to become a professional. They've got a career or they've had a career, like you say, if they're retired. This is just for joy. This is just for enriching their soul. This is just for something that is something a little bit different instead of just watching the telly every night or whatever they might be doing. And their, their goal is just that, that joy, that, that first step, that, 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 the unlocking of that barrier that they never thought would be possible for them. And when you do that and when you show them how easy that can be achieved, that's not a, you know, practice for 10 years and then you can have joy. That's joy on day one. Because what happens with a, a hobby such as this, and it, you can apply it to many other things, is on the first day when you spend 15 minutes trying to work out where to put your fingers, And then after 15 minutes, you realize you haven't been stressing about your job or haven't been stressing about the kids or haven't been stressing about that thing that's been keeping you awake at night. That is the joy. That is the goal. It's happened just because you've given yourself permission to have 15 minutes for you. And by having that, and 50 minutes a day is like my mantra, by having that 15 minutes a day in terms of, you know, when people use the same language, I use the same language for this as people talk about a morning routine or the importance of journaling or yoga or physical exercise or breathing exercises or whatever it might be, the importance of having these life enriching things which can be physically and or mentally beneficial to us. That's how I frame having a musical hobby. And I tell all my clients to never, <clears throat> excuse me, never ever ever use the word practice. I don't want to hear them talk about practicing the piano. I want to talk about them playing the piano, because play is a reward. Play is something that you get to do for fun. Play is something that you can do to unwind. Practice is another job, another chore, and something that's going to go on the to-do list and be forgotten. So yeah. I want them to call it play, not practice.
0: Yeah, and, and so it's, it's a quite loaded term as well. As I remember from my as a piano player myself, it was this whole idea, oh, I need to practice for tomorrow, for, or for the exam, or for whatever. Always, even though it's playing, it's always associated with hard work, with with performance. It's a task. And it's a task, absolutely, yeah. So I, I really like this idea of playing, and I, and I especially like the way you explain it, that it's actually 15 minutes for yourself, really. This is something I think most of us don't find enough in our day-to-day lives, the way society has become, perhaps the way you know, we live in a quite busy world, uh, and we're constantly thinking of others. Most of the people I know are just constantly thinking of the family and going to work and have to do this and I have to do that. And oh, now I need to cook, to cook. And what about the kid? And I need to prepare the slides for tomorrow, whatever it is. And, and that's actually 15 minutes where you can actually live, or, or longer if you want, where you can literally take that time for yourself isn't it? and not uh, worry about anything else. And it's your own space that you create. It's some sort of meditation really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's almost, well, we hear, we hear the language around mindfulness, you know, so commonly these days. It's the fact that you are doing something that isn't your responsibility, that isn't a job, that isn't a profession, that isn't family related, isn't, as you say, a task for someone else. It is, you know, just for you. And that feels selfish when we're not used to it. That feels like we're being, you know, greedy to, oh, you know, I really should be doing this, or I really should be doing that. And, you know, how, how we all know how guilty we can be of that kind of toxic path. Where if which I should do this or I should do that all of the time, but we all do it. But it's just encouraging people that to to not think of a musical hobby as this untouchable, unreachable thing that is in the distant um, or nothing. It's it's not a perfection or nothing kind of thing, and that's sometimes how people think about learning an instrument. Well, there's no point doing it because I'll never be any good at it. That yes, how often do we I hear that, that kind of that language? <laughs> yeah. Times. But but the joy and the, the reward is the process, not getting good at it. That's a separate conversation.
0: Yes, yes. I, I mean that that rings so true, and and definitely I see so many people around stressing out about. My wife, for instance, she learned she wanted to learn the violin. That was her dream as a kid, and, and just for some reason, you know, our kids start to think of these crazy ideas, and and in her head she said, as a kid, the idea developer, oh, I, I don't want to ask because. That's going to be another course and it's going to be a burden with my parents. So she regretted never really learning the violin. And when she started to uh, decide at the age of 30 or 35 when it was to, to actually learn the violin, it, it just felt like she didn't have the motivation anymore. Is it a bit different for the piano compared to other instruments, you think? Because for the violin, it sounds to me, you still, you kind of need to learn the technique first, isn't it, before you can actually play your favorite tunes. In the piano, perhaps, you know, it's much easier, would you say?
1: Uh, well, I think there are pros and cons. I've had this conversation with people before about whether a piano is an easier or harder instrument to learn to, learn to play on. The, the major benefit that the piano's got is that anyone can get a sound out of it because it's just ready to go. You know, when we think of your know, young children in a hotel running over to a piano that's in the reception way and, and hitting it, and all of the adults are upset by the sound and all of the kids are entertained by the sound, um, and, you know, the primal ease with which anyone can hit a note on a piano and get a sound out of it is a real plus point you know you don't have to like with a wind instrument or a brass instrument struggle to even get a tone out of it yeah. and again and also with a string instrument like you say whilst you can get the sound out of violin it can be pretty scratchy and pretty unpleasant until you sort of find your way around at least producing to, you know pleasant sounds um so the piano does have a major advantage of that the difficulty for the the piano which is not not unique but it's really only the piano guitar and harp that have this problem is of course you need to be able to do multiple things at the same time. Whereas with the violin you only need to play one note at once and most instruments only only one note at once. So that's kind of like this trade-off going on. That's easy to get a sound out of it, but in order to sound like you know what you're doing, you need to learn to do more than one thing at once.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so for for some instruments it takes longer to to even get the tone but once you get it then it goes quite fast. While with the piano is kind of the other way around. So you probably can start and that's probably one of the advantages that you have with the people that you work with. You can start very quickly with it, but to become advanced, it needs, it needs some work like any other instrument. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, going back to uh, the sort of uh, the conversation we had in the beginning about mental health, and I know that's another big part of what you do, and you, of course, uh, also combine your work with uh, music and mental health. So tell me a bit more about it. Is, is there anything in particular that drew you to, I uh, want to do something around mental health to help people with the mental health? Is there any particular event or is that something that you always had it in you and you always wanted to do?
1: Um, no, it's really only a conversation that's developed in the last few years for me in that as I started to really dig into what people's motivations were to take up a hobby later in life or the reasons that they weren't doing that, I started to realize that as you sort of dig into this language, you're talking about things that are just for them. And when you think, when you, as we've already discussed, when you're talking about, um, doing something that's just for you, that is so often intrinsically linked to well-being. you know, doing something that's going to improve our life. It's going to enrich our life and whether that's a physical exercise or something that we find mentally enriching or something that, that ticks both boxes, um, people, when you really sort of um, approach a musical hobby with that as your forefront, with that as your aim, with that as your goal, then you realize that you're using very much the same conversation as, as you are do, uh, as as we are in terms of, you know as I say, physical exercise or, or meditation or just the, the importance of looking after ourselves mentally and having some kind of release of a pressure valve in something that we do to, that, that can allow us to just, not think about that stresses for for, for a short period of time um, so that was kind of the starting point for me it was really sort of asking people why they do do it or asking people why they don't do it and as you really start to unpick that you find a lot of the well-being based language around that and then in the last um, 18 months to two years or so but myself and my wife we had a, a personal loss we, we lost a baby when we were sort of 22 weeks into a pregnancy and obviously that was a very and continues to be a, a traumatic experience that we both sort of had to really um i mean it was the first the week before the first u k lockdown so that came with it, with its own, own uh, add added pressures and difficulties because we couldn't really access this the kind of support we would do in the same way that we would normally have done um but whilst I felt that i'd grieved and i didn't really think that I was having any kind of discernible you know mental health issues as we might call it it wasn't until six or seven months later that i started to experience my own mental health problems and and they came in the form of panic attacks and i'd never experienced that before and i didn't know what they were at first like i guess you wouldn't um but once it started to become more frequent and a more frequent experience i realized that sort of the the last at that time seven months or so had really started to catch up with me and um now i was really really struggling and whilst I'm not, you know, too proud to ask for help at all. You know, I wasn't. I was happy to ask for any kind of support I could get my hands on. I was kind of struck by the irony a little bit that I professionally help people to use music to to help their mental health problems, and here was I having my own mental health problems and not really knowing how to use music to help to help myself with it. And I, but I felt like it should play a role in some way, and so it did. I ended up. Um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law had. Uh, got a star named after Laurie, our daughter, who we'd lost, um, and we didn't know anything about it until this star chart arrived in the post with a sort of coordinates of where we could find this star in the Andromeda system, which obviously was really moving and really a lovely, a lovely thing for them to do for us. But at the time, I was writing this art project, um, and I, I tend to write music very much a bit starting with improvisation. I tend to just noodle away at the piano and record it all and then listen back to it and pick out little snippets and then start to try and piece the snippets together. Um, So that tends to be how all my music comes. But um, three o'clock in the morning, one morning, I just suddenly woke up with this idea that I wonder what those star coordinates would sound like if they weren't the coordinates of a star, if they were the notes of a scale. And if that was the notes of a scale, what does that tune sound like? And if that's the if that's the tune, then what are the chords? You know, what chords can I put underneath it? And I sort of created this sort little uh, idea for a melody, and so I went for a run the next morning. I was just looping this melody around and around in my head, trying to work it out as to what chords would fit underneath it as I was running, and you know that unofficially became an our house known as Laurie's theme, um, and that was. It's not a song about Laurie, as you know. The album is about the bones of Saint Cuthbert and their journey around the northeast for two hundred years after he died. But um, there is a melody on the last track of the album, which is you know to us Laurie's theme, um, and that was that felt really, really therapeutic to me. That and every time I hear it, I almost break down hearing it because that is so deep, deeply entrenched in who we are and our story, mm-hmm. um, and you know I. Even so much as I was, ha- I had a guy come and play lead guitars on the album, but I said, you know, for that track, I'm playing lead guitar because I'm playing that melody. I don't care how many takes it takes me. I'm pl- I'm playing that melody because I-, I need to. And I-, I was trembling like anything trying to record in the studio, but I did it, and it didn't take that many takes. But I- it was really super emotional to me, and I had to go and have a minute after I'd finished. But it was, it's really. I'm I'm kind of pleased that I found a way for that. For music to have played its part because you know that's now immortalized on you know cd and vinyl and that will always be there and n- no one else really needs I, you know i speak about in opportunities like this but no one else really needs to know about it it just it, it's there it's the last melody you hear at the end of the album as well as so it comes back and it's just sort of fades off into the distance. and that's, that's really beautiful that we've got that so
0: very powerful so and well, blind that's a strong story so I'm, I'm looking forward to hear the album um, even more now Um, and and just I mean just to say from my perspective how I agree with you how strong and powerful the the power of music is when it comes to your mental health because um, similarly you know lockdown has affected us all in different ways Um, and I used to have a business um, quite open about it the beauty business which just went bust basically especially the lockdown came and completely killed it off so I sat at home a bit sort of depressed, don't know what to do, so I started writing music, so that's how I recorded my first solo album, so just piano music, instrumental, and it's kind of, I let the music just express the feelings really, rather than sort of me trying to put it into words. It's quite therapeutic isn't it, music, because it it, it sort of uses so many different parts of the brain, and whether you play music, whether you, uh, you know, you write music, whether you listen to music, I feel it always has a therapeutic effect so i can t- totally see how you know that link with the uh, mental health and music works
1: yeah absolutely it's 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 a very powerful thing i think we sometimes forget because it's just so easy to have on the background when we're doing something else mm-hmm. um and we don't often always pay attention to it but um yeah i'm i've never quite had an experience like with that melody and you know i hope obviously never to have a traumatic experience like that again but the um i'm I don't know why I didn't think of it quicker actually I don't know I don't know how long it must have taken me like only like a few maybe a couple of months between us finding out we had the star and then me thinking about this idea but um, it's it just feels like that was the right way to do it you know I I got the the star coordinates tattooed on my arm and um, I had I had those first right so that is literally the, the the melody written on my arm It's it's just really really personal you know so I've got that there as, uh, it's on my arm as, um so I can see it when I play piano, and you know, I call it my heart on my sleeve, and um, it's like that will always be part of the story now. and I'm, I'm really pleased that I found a way for music to play its part for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sounds a strong symbolism as well. Listen. So the, the metaphor almost as well that you like you say you' kind with you, again shows the, the power of uh, the power of music because it's so abstract and, and you can actually use it in, in, in sort of in such a way to to make something meaningful. Which perhaps cannot be expressed by words in the same way. So, thank you for sharing
1: this. That's all right. And what's interesting to me is it's such a soaring melody when you hear it, and it's it's almost like it was. I was going to say written in the stars. It's ridiculous in the context, but (laughs) uh, it sounds like it was just meant to be there. It's because it's like a really triumphant melody at the end of the album, and um, yeah, there's there's something really sort of the stars aligned there. Yeah.
0: So we started talking about our your project, so might as well, I had a question about that. Um, you know, I mean, you, you, you mentioned earlier, it's a do-metal project. I feel it's quite, um from what I've heard so far, it's, it's music that probably would be appreciated by more people than just the, the, the people who are into do-metal music. I guess the thing that I'm interested in, there is a lot of history there, you know, local history from Northumberland, and there's a set of legends there, and based on some quite important literature, um, you know, known in the area, and um, you know what does that mean for you? That that connection to your, to the place where you're coming from, and just mention it because sometimes, this stuff takes a bit of a pejorative. Um, to when people start talking about um, nationalism and things like that all being proud of your country but for you I always felt the way I've, I've seen this project developing it's a very personal thing, that connection, that local connection what does that mean to you to have the roots locally and I'm asking that out of interest as well as someone who has lived in four different countries I feel I'm a bit of a rootless person myself and I'm trying to make sense of people who actually have firm roots in a particular area how does that work?
1: yeah well what's interesting is so i wrote a phd almost well not almost i did on this subject um so it's called which was called national identity in northern and eastern european heavy metal um because as you you and i both know in the last 30 years or so there's been a huge plethora of, of metal bands of all kinds of shapes and sizes who have taken aspects of their heritage and represented it in the music in some way and whether that was just taking an old national romantic painting from the 1800s and putting it on the on the cover or whether it was using some kind of uh, reference to old mythology or old poetry in the lyrics or even taking some old folk music and using that as a starting point for a song whatever form this came in um i just that, that was what was my phd phd was about and i find it really really interesting that there is so often a distinction between how a piece of work like that might be presented by a musician and how it might be received by someone who's listening to it as as in terms of how people take um, the music or the, the the album as a whole as what it means to be from that place, and how we can trace that back to composers like Sibelius or Wagner or Bartok and these kind of composers who wrote pieces of music that became representative of what it meant to be from a certain place. So, like Sibelius's Finlandia, um, if you want to, if you say to anyone, even with a passing knowledge of classical music, you know, name me a Finnish piece of classical music, Finlandia by Sibelius, because what could be more Finnish than naming your piece of music Finlandia? Um, But to us, who are not from Finland, we then get this picture in our minds of what it must mean to be from Finland, or what it looks like, or what it sounds like. But what was kind of my point in my PhD is that if you told someone that finlandia was scottish would they believe it and of course my argument was well yes because we take the information that we're we're given as a whole that this is what it looks like this is what it sounds like and you just accept it to be fact we receive it as finnish if we're told it's finnish or scottish if we're told it's scottish but what made my sort of phd a little bit distinct was that i then musically analyzed the notes that was going on and saying well actually these are the same notes so is it, is it really a Finnish sound or is it really a Norwegian sound? Is there such is there such a thing?
0: That's a good. Uh, sorry for interrupting, but I'm just thought of the idea of Finnish music that I have in my head, and I've seen people describing Sibelius's music as well as, well, you know, it's so typical Finnish because it has all these wide landscapes and everything. But what you're saying is actually well, it's all a bit subjective, though, isn't it? Because uh, had we not known that he's Finnish, perhaps we would have associated it with something else, perhaps.
1: Well, yeah, this was, and I, I still don't think I proved it either way, although I, I kind of tried to at the end. But the, it's, I think it's a really interesting thing because you and I both know there's 12 notes, right? So how much difference can there really be? And uh, so we had, thing. there was an example in my PhD uh, of um, Primordial, the Irish band, uh, and uh, the guy from Primordial talking about how, uh, yeah, we're the only band who use this distinct 6-8 rhythm. I'm like, pfft. No, you're not. There are millions. Let's not let's not, not pretend that's an Irish thing. The Irish use it, but so do the Scots, and so and so do so, so many other countries, right? So I, I thought I think it's a really really interesting subject. But nobody, as far as I was aware, had done anything with Northumberland, uh, which is the area area that I'm from. So, and um, the northeast of England is a, a region of England that is known for people being very very proud of where they're from. Um, so I'm from a city new, called Newcastle-upon-Tyne, which technically actually isn't even in Northumberland. We're kind of just outside the border of Northumberland. But um, it's uh, only like five miles from Northumberland, and I married a, a girl from Northumberland, so I live in Northumberland. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm I, I th- the northeast of England has so much rich heritage and history in terms of where the Vikings first invaded um, when they came to England and and all the kind of... It's on the border to Scotland, so the kind of historical battles between England and Scotland around this area are, are, are you know, many. So um, yeah, there's lots and lots of history and and castles and battles and kings and kingdoms and saints and all kinds of great stories that you can uh, dig into. So for Arthur, I just wanted something that sounded like a, um, a pretty doomed subject. And w- what could be more doom than a saint being carried in his coffin around the northeast for 200 years and uh, and all the legends that are surrounding it like the coffin refusing to move at a certain stage as a symbol of that's where it needed it wanted to be kept um the fact that every time they opened the coffin the saint hadn't decomposed yet it was incorrupt um the banner of the saint that could be uh, if you if you raised the symbol of sing the cross of St. Cuthbert in battle you would be protected and so there's just loads of great stories around the history and it just sounded like a really doomed concept
0: it's an absolutely amazing concept and again can't wait to, to hear the album when it's coming out next year and um, yeah just moving on perhaps to, um, to to a different topic because another thing I'm quite interested from the way that you operate is how well you're using social media basically because you're using quite a you know I've seen you on LinkedIn and I see you on Facebook and on Instagram and to, and of course Clubhouse and whatever I, I, I see you you seem to master the um, the channel quite well. I'm and, not sure that and, that's okay, true so.
1: Costa as well. I give it a, I give it a go.
0: That's my subjective impression anyway. And, and and I guess the question that I have for you is like which which is your preferred do you have a preferred social media channel and is there a particular reason why you prefer certain channels to communicate with people and to engage and to connect with others?
1: I think I'd go through stages. So Facebook was always my favorite platform. Not that I particularly loved it. It just seems to be the most, the one with the greatest range of practically useful functionality. The things you could do in terms of groups, uh, which are really useful, and pages. Um, I kind of, like I think a lot of people have done, sort of fell out a little bit with Facebook. And just it's it started to get really clunky and a bit unwieldy. Um, and there was just so much noise on there. It sort of felt like it was getting harder and harder to... To make a breakthrough so about uh 18 months ago maybe i decided i was going to have a, a real go at linkedin um from from a purely from a business perspective in that a lot of people on facebook want a lot of things for free and if i was going to make uh, um you know any any decent money I, I needed to be in a place where people kind of had the more of the mentality that whether they're there for business or pleasure whatever they do is probably going to cost them some money Um, So I started to try to put a bit more effort into LinkedIn and gradually sort of started to to try and carve out a little space there. Early in 2021, Clubhouse became a big part of the story. Um, It became a really interesting platform for me. And for about four or five months, I spent an awful lot of time on Clubhouse. As an audio-only platform, it, it lent itself to... Um, obviously to music but it also lent itself to there was a lot of mental health based discussions going on Mm. and that was that really i think it was just timed perfectly for me in so much as i was having my own problems at the time it it was therapeutic for me to talk about it um i i sort of proudly represented a, a male voice in any kind of discussions around baby loss which it turns out i'm quite unusual in that but you know somebody has to so um I, I went through a real love affair with Clubhouse and I've fallen out with that over the last few months because I, I just, it got so repetitive. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I found that a bit harder. So right now, if you had to ask me what my favorite platform was, I'd say LinkedIn, because I really like the fact that on LinkedIn you can, you are so easily shown second and third connections as opposed to people who you are directly connected to. And that can make it a bit easier to to build a following if you're consistent. But you know they go through all these platforms go through peaks and troughs, um, and LinkedIn's hard. I'm finding LinkedIn harder than I was six weeks ago, and I don't know why. Perhaps I'm I need to change t- attack slightly. So they're just they're very very fluid, aren't they? They're very. Um, you can you can you never can say you've mastered one.
0: They seem they seem to be. I agree with you. I have you know for me it's, LinkedIn is a bit of a dark spot. I never really mastered it, and it's one of these platforms where and it's probably having a lot to do because I'm as an NLP practitioner I look at it from a mindset perspective as well and my mindset is I associate it too much you know with serious people with you know that businessman with a suitcase coming to do business I always had that sort of idea of LinkedIn of people trying to uh, to be serious and and, and somehow like not being very relaxed but actually that's not the case in it because it's what you make out of it you can actually Uh, tailored to to your personality like anything else and find your authentic voice in every platform
1: that was its traditional um sort of standing you know it was very very much a professional business platform and there are still plenty of people who complain if you put something personal on there and we just call them the 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 linkedin police you know this is not this is not facebook i i I have people write that on my on my content this is not Facebook. yeah (laughs) and
0: yeah well feel free not to follow that's what i always say to to people Um, and also in terms of going back to clubhouse yeah it was a wonderful discovery it does feel it has served its purpose and does feel now facebook and twitter they all want to have their own they started to launch their own audio rooms as well isn't it so everyone wants to uh, take over so uh, these things are fluid and change the whole time so which i think is is fair enough um okay so mark i mean uh, unless there's anything else that you feel i didn't ask you today Uh, but, you know, it's always such a pleasure talking to you and it's always exchanging views and and, and hearing about the work that you do, the music that you play, all the topics that you're interested in. Um, Where can people find you online? What's the best place for someone who would like to know more about playing the piano? Um, And perhaps if someone wants to hear more about your music, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so as I said at the beginning, you know, very compartmentalized different parts of my life. So if you want to find out about the piano stuff, then you can pretty much put the hashtag piano guy into any, any social media and hopefully you should find me. Uh, the website is thatpianoguy.club. Um, if you are interested in uh, finding more about why uh, learning to play the piano is not the impossible thing that you think it is. Um, and then on the different uh, side of my world, if you want to uh, find out more about the art project, uh, then search for. Uh, well, it looks like ARD. The D has a little line uh, through it. Uh, Ard Northumbria um, on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, you'll be able to find me there. Ard Northumbria.
0: Yeah, and that Northumbria is kind of essential, isn't it? Because otherwise the algorithms got a bit confused with that weird.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's very difficult to try and get tagged anywhere with three letters. So, yeah, Ard Northumbria is the web address for both Facebook and Instagram
0: brilliant excellent Mark has been an absolute pleasure thank you very much appreciate it thank you
1: for listening to the How
0: Did They Do It podcast with Kostas Panagiot. Should you have a story you would like to share about how you found your own freedom and clarity of purpose, then please email me at coach at gmail.com. Likewise, you can follow me on kostasthecoach.com website for weekly articles, helping and inspiring solopreneurs to find accountability, freedom and purpose in their lives.